Hello, I'm Professor Bob Hewish from the Department of International Development Studies at Dalhousie University. You're listening to GDP, the Global Development Primer, the podcast dedicated to all issues in international development studies. Follow me on Twitter at Professor Hewish. Hey, we're back with the Global Development Primer podcast, and today we have an expert analysis podcast featuring two very good friends of mine, Sarah Amin and Christian Gerard. Sarah is a lecturer and discipline coordinator of sociology at the University of the South Pacific in Suva, Fiji. She received her PhD in sociology from McGill University in 2011 and taught at the ASEAN University for Women between 2009 and 2015. Her research focuses on the areas of migration, dynamics, identity politics, and gender relations, and politics and education. She's also engaged in the scholarship of transformative pedagogy. Previously, she was a Fulbright International Visiting Scholar to Georgetown University, and she has received research grants from the Ford Foundation and the Canadian Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to GDP. Hi, Bob. Hello. Great to talk to you. It was, uh, it's been too long since uh, we last saw each other in Fiji, and that was only a few weeks ago. Yep. It'll be, it's great to hear you again. <laughs> Perfect. And alongside Sarah, we have Christian Gerard. He's an independent researcher and development practitioner, also based in Fiji, with experience in academia, working for non-governmental organizations, and with the private sector. He holds a PhD in planning and urban studies, with a specialization in development studies from l'Université Montréal. For the past 15 years, he has worked, conducted, and supervised research in Asia, Africa, and Latin America on various projects related to poverty reduction, housing, urban management, education, women's empowerment, social entrepreneurship, as well as information and communication technologies for development. While assistant professor of philosophy, politics, and economics at the Asian University for Women in Bangladesh, he established the Development Studies Program, and he founded the Research Center on Development and Humanitarian Action, as well as the Observatory on Social Entrepreneurship and Innovation in Asia. His main research interests include development, poverty, vulnerability, livelihoods, governance and public policy, social entrepreneurship, and social business. My good friend, Christian Gerard, is with us here today. Christian, bonjour. Bonjour. Thank you so much for having us on the show. Oh, it's great. So for our listeners, hold on, buckle up, and get ready. We've got two very great speakers, fountains of knowledge, and global citizens today on GDP. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, you have both taught for the Asian University for Women in Bangladesh. Can you talk a little bit about what this project is, where it came from, and any anecdotes that you've, you have from your time working there? Yes, of course. Uh, thank you. So uh, basically, the Asian University for Women is a university that has been uh, established uh, with a mission to uh, uh, with a, a clear mission for education uh, for leadership and empowerment of women in Asia. Uh, when you talk about the where it came from, uh, basically the, the the main founder, the idea of the main founder was that after reports from the UN that uh, in order to really uh, effect a, a social change in uh, in in Asia, we needed also more women uh, with uh, higher access to higher education. Uh, to be able to uh, uh, exactly contribute to uh, uh, social change. And, and, and one key element was also to make sure that there would be women from diverse backgrounds. So basically, the, uh, the Asian University for Women uh, focused on this, focused on leadership and empowerment. And um, 
it it uh, it, it recruited uh, highly highly motivated, highly talented, high potential women from 15 countries in Asia, uh, from well Asia and the Middle East, so Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Cambodia, India, Pakistan, Nepal, Malaysia, Indonesia, China. Uh, we have Palestine, Syria, Bhutan, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, Myanmar. So uh, as you can see, uh, quite a diverse uh, uh, student body. Uh, and it, it also did so by recruiting students that uh, uh, were not, they, they, the two main criteria was they needed to be able to pursue uh, university studies and, and higher level studies. And they also needed to show demonstrated leadership in their community. So it was just, the leadership aspect was very important uh, and their level of engagement and uh, uh, this led the, there was a blind admission process so basically the best students and 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 uh, were selected and uh, and and that led to about like 98% of the students being there on partial or full scholarship uh, and 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 this allowed basically this blind admission policy allowed for uh, students from uh, extremely diverse uh, uh, backgrounds from uh, uh, not only not only uh, in terms of, of, of the countries they come from, but also socioeconomic backgrounds and religious backgrounds and so on to be part of this. Uh, basically, the, a, a lot of students came from underrepresented groups. So we had students from rural areas, even from low income uh, or uh, sometimes even some informal settlements and so on. So there was a diversity uh, of, of, of students that were part of it and it, it or first generation university students uh, and this really uh, was one of the key or, or, or main uh, uh, feature of AWW is was to create this uh, extremely uh, stimulating environment where you have uh, incredible incredibly talented women from different countries, different backgrounds and so on, with a clear sense of purpose and leadership and, 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 and community engagement and so on, who are together for a couple of years to not only to uh, pursue their studies, but also to uh, see how they can bring change to the world, positive change in the world. Sarah, what's your take on, on the, your time at a, AUW? My t oh. Uh, well, the sorry, the students are uh, the students were amazing, and I think what one of the core aspects of what made it um, work. Well, there was a few things I think that made it work really well. So I might talk a little bit about just the the structure around which the AUW was organized. Um, so because students were coming from very different educational backgrounds, um, and that meant also, and and the language of uh, at the university was English. It meant that, uh, and there was different uh, pedagogies that they were coming from. That what that the AUW the first year was access what's called the Access Academy, and this part of the program was ex extremely crucial in in um, bringing the students kind of out of their comfort zone. Um, and and it's I, we I think all of us that would teach at the undergraduate program, which, which started after the year, would always be amazed at how much change you would see in that first year of what students were doing like in terms of um becoming more vocal uh becoming finding more voice and so on and so access academy was a core part and then they would go into a for the four four-year undergraduate program and i think central there was the curriculum and the teaching and everything that would go around the classroom that was really central but the the stuff that was co-curricular and extracurricular stuff were really really important in what was happening and and I mean, you know, lots of universities have writing centers, but for example, the writing center at AUW became a space of um, 
really critical like students gaining critical awareness and voice on on how writing can basically transform not just them but how it can reach a wider audience and it and it became a safe space for students too so the writing center was really really important um, the career placement center became really important because um, given what AUW was doing especially as a liberal arts and, and that you know liberal arts is often seen as a western concept and so in the context of the region and so on there was always kind of this tension of will this how how will businesses and and families and organizations value this type of education it's a, it was a concern for the students because they saw it personally very valuable but they kept hearing and hearing different things that made them worry it, it and and, and it, these were conversations that became really important to have so the career placement center became very central in in helping to mitigate and and kind of create changes in conversations not only at the university and the students but also between the organizations that the students would be going to and pretend you know and so that like so that was another kind of pathway of change that was happening like not only within the students themselves but in the relationships and conversations that were being developed through these um, these services at the university with the communities beyond the university um, then um, I think the part that from my experience that I enjoyed and I think most of us would say this in, in ways um, is we had like these students were so engaged and because the mission was so focused on aspects of leadership, um, leadership and and meaningful change and citizenship and service that uh, every year there were basically summer projects and service learning projects and field research was like throughout the year but also during the summer was a very important component of the curriculum and so you know um, the first year of the first undergraduate year of the university first group uh, started in 2009 the undergraduate and that was also the year um, when the war happened in um, Sri Lanka and so our students from Sri Lanka that were coming from Tamil and Sinhalese backgrounds it created um, a lot of conflict and tension and it led to though like it led to um, the the students taking initiative with the psychologist that was there who was also from Sri Lanka at that point and two of us like me myself and another colleague um, working on developing on um, a project on reconciliation and peace building and so the students spent pretty much a year basically finding way to do conflict resolution reconciliation amongst themselves and then taking that forward they did uh, two years of uh, projects in Sri Lanka um, with Tamil and Sinhalese communities back in Sri Lanka and, and with the National Peace Center in Sri Lanka um, where they were and they you know like one of the projects that they did the first project that they did involved bringing two communities two villages that live next to each other but that because of the conflict had been torn apart bringing them together organizing activities together but then where the communities themselves together then built a library together for their children um, uh, then another and then and then this became a yearly kind of thing so every cohort of Sri Lankan students started doing this in the summer so that's one example of how how you know they were taking like courses in development and peace and conflict and stuff but they were because of these this type of structure of and the mission they were this became kind of a central part of how they could how they were making change as they were studying but and then you know the, the effect that they talked about 
on themselves and on their families because it wasn't just limited to themselves. Um, it, it was just, I mean, every day was just inspiring over there because the, the, of yeah. the type of work that we they would be doing and the type of work we could be involved in to support them. This sounds it, like there's so many elements happening with this university that's women's only, international students coming together in Bangladesh. And again, like we've got issues with uh, that I've just seen from how a, you know, a North American university would look at that, that there's English as second language issues. There's, uh, the, the, you know, using the term leadership, that's something that gets thrown around a lot in university administrations. And if I'm not mistaken, liberal arts was a pretty central part of that undergraduate curriculum, was it not? Liberal arts uh, was very central. Uh, while we were there, it was the core and was seen... I mean, one of the, uh, when Christian mentioned that the, the university was founded in part through what the UN report had said about the importance of it uh, for, for higher education, the other part of it that influenced the choice for the liberal arts curriculum was that, um, I think it was Martha Nussbaum, who, who, uh, who, who, who has been a patron and supporter, supporter of the university, that she has been, you know, she and a few other scholars have emphasized the potential value of liberal arts for um, put, like citizenship and service and change kind of thing. And and yeah. and the founder and the people involved in the initial uh, vision of it saw liberal arts as kind of key and core. And with, with the idea of, the, because the other part was that there's liberal arts in the, in the, the quote unquote, the Western tradition, but the importance of the, um, thinkers in South Asia and so on, like especially Rabindranath Tagore and stuff, and how how that speaks to liberal arts and traditions within, for example, um, older traditions in Asian in in the Asian context, especially like I think the initial mission looked into more the South Asian part, but this has, that has expanded of how this idea of having breadth and depth of different disciplines, and especially the importance of humanities and in informing and uh, creating kind of you know. Uh, 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 a world view of someone that goes beyond kind of seeing things technically, um, and, and that's, yeah, and and that is that, that's such a neat idea because even what the liberal arts have always meant since the time of ancient Greece were the free arts, right? I mean, mm -hmm. in the time of Plato and and and, and Socrates, that they would they would uh, they would teach architecture and even medicine to slaves, but it was only those of the citizen class that would have exposure to art and culture and literature in this way. And so you've also mentioned leadership a lot through this. And again, it's a word that can get chucked around pretty loosely within, you know, within the killing fields of university administration. But for you guys seeing this in Bangladesh, did you get a sense that there was leadership from the students coming in and also when they graduated? Did you, did you see this as an experience that fostered in what you would define as leadership? Um, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yes, and through and through. Um, again, the the, the I, I'll get back to a point that Sarah was mentioning also about how for students everything was about how to apply it, and that's what I'm going to tell you. When we said that that you know there was 
really proactive recruitment in these different countries to find people who were already showing leadership. So students who had already been doing different things, from mobilizing their communities uh, uh, around certain issues, certain challenges they were facing. Some had already started projects, started initiatives. Uh, many had volunteered and 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 were going to create in, in, in awareness programs and so on. So there was so the students were already to be honest, like the students that were selected, most of them already had quite an impressive CV in terms of in, in, in terms of list of achievements given their age and experience in their own community. So that already existed. But yes, of course, through the experience at AUW, the key part about this was always to make the links. And that's when you also when you were talking about liberal arts, it's it's how it, because in development we talk a lot about brokers and translators and, and Basically, it's how do you how do you operationalize? How do you 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 uh, uh, move or, or, or create a discussion uh, between the theory and the practice and back and forth? And so and so for them, how is that you know officially claimed transformative education and leadership education? What does it mean for them in practice? So for them, they had all, the entire time students would come to us before classes start. You know, uh, uh, for example, at the beginning of the year, telling us, yeah, so I've been thinking about this and I'm taking your course. It says that we're going to talk about this, 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 this. In my community, we're facing that, da, 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 da. So I would be interested to work on this or know more about this. So you see, they were always thinking about applying it. And in the courses themselves and through the summer projects, like Sarah described, students were applying. They were constantly finding ways or by themselves or because of the nature of the assignment. So, for example, in my social entrepreneurship class, students had, they were designing projects for their communities to start from for many things from environmental issues and 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 doing coconut husk uh, briquettes uh, 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 for indoor air pollution to uh, 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 save space safe spaces for women in their communities and in the workplace and in in, in uh, garment factories and industries right. so you see so so they were constantly also making links and 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 tying their education two experiences of, uh, of yes. initiative and leadership and so on. Yeah. And, and so just two things to that? Yes, Sarah, go ahead. Uh, so in the aspect of the leadership and, and these activities, and I think another part that was like that informed this and, and from both the students and the staff's perspective was that that there was a real sense that leadership needed to be community and service oriented and and therefore that's why the working with communities during their studies and so on i think was a really important element of that and the other part was i guess comes from the feminist practice of the personal is political and that's something that played out i think in in the classroom in their conversations with each other in their residential living and in everything that they were I think doing because sometimes the leadership was often like just bringing change like sometimes the leadership involved bringing change in their own families or having to negotiate the 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 differences that were being created through their education between how their families might see something or their larger community might see something versus how they were seeing something and and how and and that that they couldn't just go and say this has to be like this so how do they negotiate, manage, like reconcile, transform. So, I mean, I think there was this growth process for both the students and us as, as they were going through and as we were working there of figuring out, yes, there's a change that's happening in the students in a really powerful way during the university, but what happens after the fact kind of thing. And that was that was a site of anxiety and tension, but it became all these this different projects, these different relationships that they were building through the studies. This is why these projects and stuff and, and internships and work became so important because it became a way for them to link what they were, how they were changing as individuals to how, how they could 
and um, live that change um, in a meaningful way through their relationships in the communities and so on. And so, and that's why I think these words that do get thrown around felt very real because it was being the meanings of it were being created through the through these experiences rather than through kind of something of like. Um, this is, yeah, I'm a leader, you know? Yeah, for sure. Two, sorry, but two, two quick things I want to add in relation to that. Uh, two examples. One, when Sarah says also that in their communities and mitigating and negotiating with their communities and within their communities, their, uh, uh, exactly the, the, the transformative experience they were living and the challenges of also kind of uh, living it then within their community. So one example also was that our students, when the many students ended up doing internships and then working at the Ministry of Counter Narcotic in Afghanistan, uh, and it was it was fascinating that you know at first some of our students um, decided two uh, two of them no they decided that. They, they looked the first day and they're like, okay, where do we eat? And obviously they were the only two women in that entire department, you know, the, the entire ministry. Right. And then they say, well, there's the, the canteen, there's the cafeteria, so uh, so I guess that's where we're going to go. But then they enter the place and it's only men and so on. And normally, you know, it was a tie. And they said, well, you know what? That's how it has to be. So they went, picked the food, went sitting. And at first some people came to say, I said, what are you doing here? And then they started deciding that this was their chance to exactly educate the community, create a dialogue and explain. So they started talking to the people, explaining that they were working there, why, and then were, they were like, okay, it's good, but you can eat somewhere else. And then they started explaining why they should be part of this and so on. And eventually, many, many people started talking to them. They started creating basically, uh, you know, spontaneous awareness programs and, 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 uh, and, and dialogues with uh, 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 their their colleagues and co-workers and eventually and they became accepted and then it became the practice and there's these women and then more students went there for internships and worked there and it continued so you see that so the kind of leadership can be expressed in many ways and one last example i want to give is we've been talking a lot also about community service and so on but we also have to uh, remember that 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 it's it's in all sectors like even yeah. in the private sector we have to also say that a lot of their experiences many of them ended up doing internships and work in the private sector and even there they show leadership like like even some some went for example to the united states some uh, worked with starbucks in the united states and they were so starbucks was so impressed with their capacities that at first you know they had the classic student internship for the summer let's get you busy let's 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 make you busy for a couple of weeks and uh, then send you back to bangladesh and they were so impressed that they put them on the strategic team for uh, international expansions uh, for India and so on and so 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 two of our students were part of a 12 uh, member team of uh, experts to uh, uh, basically do the uh, uh, analysis assessment and so on and and design the strategy for the expansion of Starbucks in Asia that was 10 years ago almost the, the, the you know and so they were part of it and then they were invited to come back the next year to uh, start looking at other countries because they had been so impressed with their work so you see it constantly they, like they, they constantly showed their capacity to be leaders uh, in in different contexts. And, and you mentioned the private sector as well. Did any of them start their own companies? Any any of their own private businesses? Did they just bypass sort of uh, getting into a corporation and actually took the initiative on themselves? Okay, so yeah, we can we can discuss this a little bit, yeah, like all that part of, of what of what they're doing because it's true. You said uh, before and during AUW and after. So after uh, the Asian University for Women. So uh, let's let's hear a few words about what they've been doing since then. No, uh, so yeah. the first batch of graduates uh, was in 2013. Okay, uh, since then, because remember, oh, I, I forgot to mention. I think in the beginning, the university started 2008, 2009. Um, so. Um, 
the uh, students continue. So some continue in academia, okay, graduate studies and research. So some have been some have been doing their masters, their PhDs, have have worked at different research projects. Uh, some started their own companies, exactly what you said, in very different sectors. But it's interesting. Many of them also tied to stuff that they felt relevant. So for example, in Afghanistan, uh, students started a logistics and supply chains uh, company for UN and international organizations. You see, uh, some started uh, research and business translation. Uh, and, and interpreters in Myanmar. There's also a company on business support in Cambodia. Mm -hmm. The the uh, yeah yeah so so anyway, there's been multiple examples of them starting their own company uh, and things. Some have continued in the in the private sectors and different stuff. Some got became managers at Decathlon, Decathlon, the the, the French company. Uh, you see, so it's interesting and obvi but obviously, like you said, a lot of it, it the. A lot of them, given their interest, passion, and 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 values, a lot of them ended up working somehow related to topics uh, of development and so on, or directly in development and humanitarian sectors. So, for example, a lot of students worked uh, at BRAC, at Grameen. Uh, I think you've introduced them in your class, or we can say a few words about them after when we talk about local organizations, maybe that helped us at AUW. But also, they worked at Oxfam, the Red Cross, the World Bank, Plan International, the World Food Program, the United Nations, the UN. NDP, United Nations Development Program, the UNHCR, you know, and, and one last example I can give of this is that when uh, we went for research uh, last December in the camps in Cox's Bazar, so the Rohingya camps uh, in, 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 in Cox's Bazar in, in Bangladesh, and you know, uh, we were there with uh, fellow, uh, 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 with colleagues and, 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 and other researchers that, that, that we had met at EW, and, and you know, we get there and we had more than 40 alumni who were working in key position, key leadership positions with international organizations and local organizations in the camp. So we had access to amazing stories and, and, and understanding of the camps. And given their role, that's a key part. Your class is on development. Well, you know, again, I'm bringing back that brokers and translators and the liberal arts you were discussing. Many, many times people challenge uh, you know, why are we doing liberal arts? What's the value of liberal arts? You know, like, how am I going to find a job? You know, and, and literally, you know, and especially with their families, they were like, how do you, how are you going to find a job in liberal, with a degree in liberal arts? Well, that's exactly the job they can do, you know? And that's why yeah. they were impressed because why? The employers were so amazed because they have some technical skills. The students had technical skills. They also had some that studied science, you know, uh, they have skills also in econ and different topics. They also have the leadership, ethical, uh, you know, uh, background that gives them a capacity to uh, also be able to understand different issues, deal with complexity, deal with teams, uh, uh, under, uh, deal with with complex uh, uh, problematics also, and 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 interdisciplinary also challenges and so on. So when you put all this together, and and given their 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 their, their English level and skills with their their the, the multiple also uh, languages that they speak, with all this together, they are perfect. That's the thing. They are perfect. Uh, leaders, managers, and so on, and so and so in Cox's Bazaar, they very quickly became uh, literally superstars. Like they were all organizations. Like even even they were describing that in the the recruitment process, the moment any organ international organization or local organization saw you were from Asian the, the AUW, the Asian University for Women, you would automatically be taken for an interview instead of having the first uh, uh, round. You would automatically be taken for an interview because they wanted to meet you and see. And also, last point, let's face it. They're women. 
in mm -hmm. all these in all these in all these settings we want more you know everyone's been pushing for more women leadership more women in key position of leaderships and so on so there there's there was clearly a space also for this and so when they meet them they see their impressive credentials their capacities their leadership they put them and very quickly they've been that's the thing also very quickly they've been they've often started with like a uh, 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 lower level or mid-level management position and very quickly they climbed the ladder and some were managing uh, <laughs> you know uh, entire teams and entire programs uh, uh, and yeah and the thing that I mean because I mean in many of these contexts women are less represented and especially women from well women quote unquote of color are less represented in these contexts um, one of the things that you know I mean we've had and all of us that work there and have worked there have have had conversations with students trying to figure out how to negotiate kind of the problems that arise with that because it's yes they're getting these positions but it also creates different challenges and stuff like the example of yeah. the canteen but there is you know there is sexual harassment there is all kinds of these other issues that come up um, and and what's what's amazing to kind of keep seeing even though now we're, we're not uh, working at AUW is the network and the community it has created because the students themselves have become and all that all of us that have worked we've become kind of this living community of where like okay how do we deal with this how do I deal with the fact that my boss is doing this and this is not right and how do I voice it how do I change it and so so it's kind of this cons I mean I think you know all the theorization around empowerment and stuff makes it clear that this is a process and it's partial and it, it requires collective and um, changes in relationships and I think what we see because because the because of how and what has happened with AUW there has been it's not like you get your degree and then you're out and that's it the AUW no longer exists there the networks of these women together have become very very important in in continuing the process and and becoming a support supportive network because when you're involved in change it also involves challenges and difficulties and it, it, it's exhausting sometimes and so on and and that network has become extremely important in keeping in maintaining kind of the strength you need to make it through absolutely so i think and i think that's really important to keep in mind oh and there's so much there's so much involved with this this is beyond a project. I mean, this is a real transformative education experience. It's, it's a model that what I'm hearing from both of you say is, is that in many ways other universities can learn from it. I mean, the very idea that how sometimes leadership is, is taught uh, couldn't be done worse. It's, it's sit back and here's a few bullet points about you know, how to make people think the way that you do. Uh, you know, that's a sort of nonsense leadership that, uh, you know, people tend to, to use to run for office in the United <laughs> States from time to time. But what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm hearing here is that this is a focus on the complexity of development. And what we've said many times in the series is that the issues that you face in development don't have simple answers. And the more that you, you see how, for example, neoliberalism has tried to create these very complicated development issues and put them through simple answers and simple processes often winds up causing a lot of harm. But this invitation to create leadership from a liberal arts perspective, one that, that is not about, hey, follow me, but seems to be more about paying very close attention to the complexities of the situation that you're dealing with and then forming networks to go forward, 
that that to me is is, is such an important step in in development but also in higher education and is there is there a particular reason why this experience is taking place or took place in Bangladesh I mean we've we've heard about the role that that Brack and and Grameen have had in the country has there been is there some sort of movement in in Bangladesh that made it such an important place for this university to to be founded yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that. But I have to make a, one one statement in relation to your complexity. Yes, you're completely right, and 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 I think that was also the core of the AUW education. That was the core of the development studies program. And uh, not to sell the punch of uh, the last line of one of my courses of the key courses on uh, basically like cities uh, uh, um, planning and development or ethics and governance. The the, the the final line of the course was exactly what you said. It, it was a line from Henry Louis Mencken, who you might know, journalist uh, from the United States, 1920s, who said, uh, and, and about these complex problems and so on. And he was like, to every complex problem, there is a simple solution and it is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, it, it, so anyway, I, I had to mention it because that's really the conclusion of the course, and that's what you mentioned, and that's exactly one problem in development. We've been for so long trying to find simple solutions to complex problems, which are unrealistic. And you know, uh, anyway, you know, so you know Christian, we, we, we've got so many people uh, who are either listening to this podcast who aren't in development or even taking the course, and development isn't their major. And I think one of the frustrations that students coming into international development get is that very fact that a lot of disciplines, uh, if it's in sciences, if it's in management, business, and even other social sciences, sometimes there's a clear argument to say this is the way, this is the one right answer, and there are no right answers in development. And that can be a, such a, a stressful experience. It's very destabilizing. Experience. It's very yeah. destabilizing, and it can be very frustrating also. But it's, so when but it's also a place to, that can sorry. give you a lot of strength, right, by, by yeah. having this engagement exactly. with other people. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And when you embrace it fully, I mean, you also see it's 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 part it's part of the processes of, of social change also and so on. That's 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 how it happens. You know, it is through complex, uh, a complex web of action, intervention, mobilization, changes and so on at the micro and macro levels and so on that eventually produce the kind of outcome you want, but it's not a straight path, a straight linear path, and it's not a clear uh, path from point A to point B, uh, and so on. That, that, that's that's been the the, the but, but I think that for decades in development, that's been the challenge. You no, know, repeating this, saying saying that's what that's how we should that's how we should see it, and then on the other hand, because we want. Because in, in our time frame, we would like, especially in, in, in development often with the project time frames and so on, we would like to see certain things happen in a certain time frame. It becomes, it becomes kind of frustrating because you still want certain achievements there. But when you mention Bangladesh, let's go back to this because that's yep, a key please. part exactly in terms of these and people who see long term. Well, the, the Bangladesh, you, you, you exactly as a development studies expert, you know, Bangladesh was called the basket case of development by this dear singer a couple of decades ago yeah. and, and Bangladesh has actually been quite a, a, a success you know in the story of development and not that everything is perfect not at all there's lots of challenges and they recognize it themselves but the amount of achievements that Bangladesh have 
managed to realize and, and to achieve since in the last few decades is impressive at all levels from maternal health uh, and, 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 and childbirth uh, to economic development and so on. They were uh, in 2012, they got the prize for they were the first country to, to achieve, if I'm not wrong, to uh, achieve all the, the, the um, uh, Millennium Development Goals. Goals yep. you know, and, 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 and so on, three years ahead of every of, of, of the deadline where basically almost no one met it. So, so basically there's a lot of good things happening. And so for us in relation to AUW, what was interesting was to see the effect of a lot of local organizations also that are extremely stimulating. Bangladesh has a leadership in different in, in, in different things from social entrepreneurship to development to microfinance to emergency coastal management. They are they are pioneers and leaders in the world in these areas. Uh, and so uh, but but for us at AUW, what we also experience is, for example, BRAC and Grameen, you know, the behemoth of development. BRAC, the biggest the biggest uh, uh, development organization in the world, okay, by far bigger than the Red Cross and so on, finally got prizes 2016 in Geneva for recognizing all their work and so on. Uh, 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 but they were, they were less known to the West, even though they were working in Asia, Africa, and a little bit in the Pacific. Uh, behemoth of development and Grameen and, and, and BRAC, BRAC, basically started the Aram, so the fair trade things in, in, in the 70s, the microfinance early 70s. They have a bank, they have schools, they have a university, they have, you know, it's, 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 it's that's why I say behemoths of development, you know, and same thing for Grameen that has bank, microfinance and so on. But what is interesting, these organizations also have been officially supporting the government by creating schools in rural areas and development programs and scholarships and so on for students, to for exceptional students to be able to continue their education. and. Quite a few of our students at AUW, quite many actually of our students of AUW uh, from Bangladesh came from these programs. So it showed also it was it was a testimony to to the quality of the kind of of, of uh, uh, education and services that uh, BRAC and Grameen were providing and 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 exactly leading these women to uh, uh, achieve such great level of academic capacities and uh, uh, community engagement and leadership and 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 so that's been impressive they continued during their time at AUW they continued partnering uh, hiring students uh, 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 giving them internships giving them jobs afterwards including them in their projects so all this also helped again that part of leadership of really engaged leadership and and applied leadership get the students to continue living and dealing with these complex problems all the time firsthand uh, uh, as as they were going through the, the, the transformative education experience at AUW. And Sarah might be able to say a few words also about other organizations that continued sure. during AUW and after AUW um, yeah, to help the students and alumni. Well, I mean, um, the, the the there is one one the Daily Star and the Prothomalo, which are two newspapers, are they've been very important also in supporting um, scholarships and programs and internships and so on. Um, and and what what's what's wonderful about those two newspapers and the students being from that is that that has led to. Um, I mean, some of the journalism that's happening in daily in the Daily Star for now, which is which, um, especially investigative journalism, has has really taken a lead right now. And some of our graduates are the students leading it, for example. But um, and then there's been Blast, which is a feminist uh, organization uh, helping to support, especially women um, in terms of legal aid and all of that, which has been really important because some of our students have been in families that where they've support um, suffered. Uh, abuse and violence or or sometimes you know uh, they've been constrained and not allowed to go and so blast for example has been important in actually helping to le le help the student leave for example safely um, so so there's been I mean I think the, the relationships again 
with local organizations has been really important. Why Bangladesh? I mean, I think one reason it was in Bangladesh was because our founder comes from Bangladesh. And, and, and I think there is something really important in what he envisioned over there of creating this kind of a university in Bangladesh. And I think that was off, sometimes challenged and questioned and people had lots of issues with it for many different reasons. But I think that was a very important decision because often these kinds of programs, especially for women's education elsewhere and stuff, has often let been in more of the global north um, where uh, like especially higher education stuff and that and not locating these institutions in in the context or in in, con in context from where students come from and and the even just the idea of making this institution there and the resistance it faced actually for a while um, i think i think speaks to its value um, because like like christian said bangladesh is both in the narrative of development, both like, oh, that poor flood country kind of thing, versus also the country where all these kind of changes and shifts are happening in terms of different ways to deal with this stuff. Yeah. And so, so and, and that had, I think, a really virtuous kind of cycle and impact. It created a positive kind of, and, and uh, yeah. Yeah, well, but so also, yeah, and, and, and let's face it, in Bangladesh right now, it's extremely dynamic. Like, exactly. again, in these yeah. sectors, in the in the NGO and development sector, in microfinance and social entrepreneurship and stuff, the, the, it's amazing and impressive, the kind of leadership, the kind of initiatives, people come from all over the world, actually, to participate in different events in Bangladesh, to learn about these initiatives and be part of it. Like, it's really, there. there's a boom, and people want, people are eager to uh, uh, see changes and participate and be engaged and so on. So there, there there's a good energy for that. But but one last point I wanted to make was that often also, because in development often another part that is sometimes not always highlighted and a, a relationship that doesn't always work as well is the relationship with the government and local authorities. And in Bangladesh, that's an important thing that we have to mention is that the government of Bangladesh had given to AUW an exceptional charter yeah. uh, right from the start, uh, also a land and so on to build. So that was that, but also the, the charter with complete freedom uh, which, uh, as you've seen exactly, you, you were talking. I know you're traveling uh, to, <laughs> to Singapore and so on. You've seen that even that, eh? that, that it's mm -hmm. been a challenge, uh, even there. No, this this academic freedom and full academic freedom, even in in a place like Singapore, has been uh, challenged and debated. Yes, and, and that's right. Things with the American universities established like, there, and the, yeah, yeah, and the and the tensions there with the staff and so on, and the local authorities. Bangladesh has actually given this kind of charter to UW, where which meant that any topics and that's why the kind of education that was the kind of liberal not only liberal arts but liberal education that was being uh, taught at AUW would have been extremely transformative and extremely uh, uh, open and free and liberal <laughs> anywhere in the world you know it's not it was not even though examples were adjusted to the context how we were discussing and debating the 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 the, the topics that were discussed the discussions, the, big, the, the the books that were used, the material, everything uh, from LGBTQ rights to uh, to refugees, to name it, any topic to religion and so on, complete freedom. And, uh, and that was quite exceptional, actually. Once again, guys, you have shown us that uh, not just the importance of higher education, uh, much of the way that Martha Nussbaum uh, has, has discussed, but again, not to, to remind the listeners that in places like Bangladesh that's often cited as being on the forefront of a climate change crisis, there's more to it than just that. There's, there's, there's made-in-house solutions, there's responses that are, that are going way outside traditional 
development paradigms. And I think this university is is telling uh, of that experience. We are uh, we're going to have to start winding it up, but I just want to ask if either of you have any final thoughts or comments, uh, especially towards what. What, what do you need for this sort of student experience to happen? Uh, the, the, you've worked with some amazing students. You talked about the importance of networks. Uh, is there a secret ingredient that really brings us all together? <laughs> you want to start? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I think, I, I don't know if there's a secret ingredient, but I think there is some, things that, are, there are some <laughs> things that are very key, and, and that includes, um, like, taking very seriously the importance of support services for students um, it, and that which ranges from academic related stuff but also academic and professional stuff but well-being stuff um, I think and this is something I've seen when I've uh, talked at, at worked at AUW but also that I see now at the University of the South Pacific and when I was doing talks in other American women's in institutions or with working with students from just uh, underrepresented groups, for example, that um, for education to be transformative and continue as a process, you need to, uh, like, it's important universities recognize that that change is, 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 a, is demanding and, and, and not, and that, um, the well-being aspects of it, the mental health support that's needed for that, and supporting students to develop the skills to uh, work through the most difficult conversations with the people that are the most important to them is is, is crucial. Like not not taking that seriously, I think leads to um, putting all that all that change process, the burden of that on just an individual, and that's that's right. problematic. So to me, that if I'm going to have to choose a key ingredient, that to me would be central. Yeah, okay. and especially if I can add a word about this, it's because the, especially in the case of our students, there's just a normal process of transformative experience and connecting back to their communities, but let's face it, given the general age group of our students, the kind of experiences they go through their own lives during that time and the context they come from, let's face it, some students came from a, a, a context where there's terrorism and war and so on. And so so some live these things uh, uh, directly, even their own family and stuff and, and terrible incidents and so on. So, so you know, so, so they go through this through all these years also of these, yes, there's all this wonderful experience, but there's all these challenges that they face sometimes at home and so on. And anyway, so there's multiple dimensions. So definitely, uh, uh, that's that's a key part, and in another side aspect, or another aspect or side of it is, I would say, is 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 even to be able to recognize, like when Sarah talked about the writing center uh, and 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 supporting them. To be honest, like uh, that was a challenge, like in the sense that some students came from a background. Some students' English was uh, uh, spectacular, and actually, me as a francophone, and as you can tell with my exotic accent, like like some students spoke way better English than me, you know. <laughs> but for some of them, it was a real challenge. And, uh, and 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 so so that was also a challenge from countries, for example, Myanmar, Cambodia, and so on. In the beginning, where a lot of the students that were recruited from uh, came from rural areas. Not all of them. Some had exceptional English, but a lot of them came from rural areas, and they had limited exposure to English before. So for them, at first, it took a little bit longer to feel comfortable the first year or two, and so on. And sometimes the, the the challenge, even for the staff, was how to deal with it because some it's it's not to confuse the capacity 
to think and 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 analyze and and produce things with your ab ability to sound like an American speaker, you know. And as silly as it sounds, this often was attention, you know, in de debating how to deal with these students and whether they were they should be they should be allowed to continue or not, you know. And so that's where these these support services like the writing center and so on are so important Excellent. to make sure that students from different backgrounds and experiences also get uh, the opportunity to uh, 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 be part of these kind of initiatives because in the end, by the way, some of the students that sometimes were struggling in the first years uh, uh, with particularly the English and so on, ended up being uh, pr producing absolutely exceptional work in their last few years at AUW, like outstanding and, 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 and were being presented and, and being invited to international conferences and so on, so you see, but it required all this, this support. So this is definitely a key to make sure that given this kind of background, diversity and experiences, that, that, that it can live through and that you can have all these cohabitate together. Yeah, so. One last thing for what I would say is also really important is yeah. the fact that the university, especially if we're looking at university, that it's not an, it does not see itself as an isolated institution, but it needs to embed itself in a real way to organizations, communities um, that th their students come from. And so in the context of AUW, that wasn't just Bangladesh, that was like the, the larger of the 15 other countries that students yeah. came from, that that students need, it's important that those relationships are build and nurtured and, and, and grow during their studies and therefore throughout. I mean, I think a university needs to be an embedded institution, but but not in the sense of like just grants and stuff or business productions, right, but, right. but really like what do students and staff do with the other communities that the, these students yeah. come from and the communities that matter to the students? Yeah, their communities, institutions, local organizations, and so on, yeah. and that in all the countries, and that was very important and stuff. And the last point is the, the networks that were created also. No, for, for the students, they often say one big thing that they take away from it is also all their networks, if you look at it. And for all of us, actually, who are involved in the, <laughs> at AUW, you know, now you have, you do have contacts and networks in multiple countries in Asia, in in very different parts of society also in terms of the kind of job they do, the work they do, where they live, and, and so on. So this is extremely rich and, and, and it has become a source of strength, you know. Uh, and and uh, what was I putting, yeah, so, and, 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 and the last point, this experience in the end, when, when Sarah was talking about transformative experience, let's face it, it's, it's being part of such a project, it's a transformative experience for everyone involved, not yeah. just the students we're talking about it, but for us too, you know. <laughs> so, Man, that's a fantastic point, my friend. The uh, once again, you have demonstrated how there are lessons and values uh, coming from universities in the global south, and particularly at uh, UAW uh, or AUW, uh, that could certainly do a lot to teach the uh, the programs and practices of universities here in the global north, for sure. The, uh, Thank you so much. Hey, guys, no problem. We could talk for another 50 minutes. I have no <laughs> doubt in that. But we, we do have to leave it there. So here we are. We're, we're wrapping up the uh, our Global Development Primer Expert Analysis Podcast. We've been talking to two forces of good in the world, two forces of good and love. That's Sarah Min and Christian Gerard, who are based in Suva, Fiji. Christian and Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today on GDP. Thank you, thank so, you much so much for having us.